Vincent Werbeck's Derby. I never remember you having any hair, Phil, but perhaps you did. <laughs> Memory's not good as you get older, but there we go. It's all slipped down onto your chin, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right, so we're right in the middle of Philippians. Um, we've had two chapters and we begin today, chapter three. And Paul uses a word which is best translated finally at the beginning of chapter three with two chapters to go. And it reminds me of preachers, and you will be reminded of cruel preachers uh, circling and looking for somewhere to land. I remember when I was a young curate, I'd been preaching away at another church, and I came back to the parish church service, and the vicar was preaching, and I went into the porch, and the, and the verger was there, and I said to the verger, has he finished? And he said, yes, but he's not stopped. Which is... <laughs> It's a very interesting comment. So if you feel I'm beginning to circle at any point, just put your hand up and... Uh, not yet. Uh, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Just to orientate ourselves, let us uh, just remember that the, 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 the golden thread, if you like, um, that holds together the whole of this beautiful book. To me, to live is Christ. The golden thread is Paul's passion to know Christ and to know him better. And the thread that holds the book together is Paul's passion that the Philippians, and therefore by implication St. Werberg's, should know Christ and know him better. That is what holds the whole thing together. And when we come to the opening verses, the main uh, first 17 verses, although I've got less than that to, to deal with this morning, um, of chapter 3, Paul is unfolding what it means and how, in fact, we get to know Christ and get to know him better, how we can uh, have a passion for Jesus Christ. Now, this is what he says. Where are you, Dan? Finally. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It does not trouble me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God 
to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Very powerful, Dan. Thank you. So we can take the first six verses and we can call them, uh, if you like, joy and sorrow. Um, Joy because the result of making Christ central in our lives, making Christ central in our lives, the result of that is joy. And joy is a key word in the epistle, as you know. And, and this particular section of the epistle is bounded by the word joy. He begins here with rejoice. And he begins in chapter 4 and verse 4, he says, rejoice. So Paul um, is just wanting, first of all, to, to, to say to the Philippians once again. Uh, and this, this whole book is quite autobiographical. Because Paul is talking all the time about his own passion for Christ. So in chapter 1, verses 12 to 26, there's a a great autobiographical thing. And then again here in chapter 3, he starts to talk about his own experience. Not because he's full of himself, but because he, he just wants to express the passion that he has found that they may find as well. And he says, when you find that passion, when Christ is central, the outflow is joy. Joy is a wonderful Christian word. It's more than happiness. Last Wednesday was National Happiness Day. Um, but we were, we were to be happy for a day. But then what happens on Thursday morning? <laughs> Possibly we all go back to being glum again. Because happiness is dependent essentially on our circumstances, on the, uh, on the quality of our, our bank balance, on the um, state of our digestive system, whatever it may be. But joy is the steady understanding that in all circumstances, Christ is central. But then there is sorrow, and quite a, a strange note now suddenly jars in this letter. And he suddenly gets quite irate, as Paul can. He says, beware of those who mutilate the, mutilate the flesh. Beware of those who will attack you. Beware of the circumcision. And what he's saying is that actually there is a block, there is a frustration to knowing Christ better, that we need to eliminate from our lives. What is that frustration? What is that block? He uses the word flesh. Now, when we use the word flesh, we tend to mean skin and bone. We tend to mean the body. Uh, I'm not very good with computers. I do my best, but I I am a a dinosaur. And from time to time, I phone my long-suffering daughter. Well, there's two reasons why why I phone Anna. The first one is... Uh, if uh, my wife Sue is giving me grief and I say to her I'll tell your daughter and that seems to sort things out but the second reason is uh, 
that I can't do the computer. And she's very long-suffering, and she puts me on the right track. So only recently, I, I, I looked at the top, and alongside primary, there are other categories, aren't there, like social and updates. And I thought, oh, I'll press one of those. And I pressed one, and it said, uh, phone this number to have a full body checkup. And there's a picture of this rather delightful young lady staring at me. I thought, goodness me, this is incredible. <laughs> um, it felt a bit seedy, but I, <laughs> I did <laughs> got great compassion on Charlotte, so I didn't do it. But, but we, we tend to think of the body and the physical things are quite prominent. I mean, the whole business of physical well-being is very high on our priorities. And, and Paul is saying at that level, that can block the centrality of Jesus Christ and knowing him. However, when Paul uses the word flesh, he uses it in a much wider sense. He's talking about really anything in our material life which is not subjected to the reign of Christ. And that can then become a block. And he talks about it as being self-confident that the confidence we should have in God, we have in ourselves. And that blocks our relationship with Christ. Outside the Christian faith, people may have a vague belief in God, and they say, well, at the end of the day, all will be well, because uh, I've done this, I am this, I am that, I've not done any really bad things, all will be well. Even within our Christian discipleship, we can, we can drift into that, that sense that actually it depends upon me to know Christ better. And I will know Christ better, and Christ will want to know me better when he realizes what a good person I am. Now, it sounds stark, but we do think in those ways. And Paul says, don't. <clears throat> Paul says, if you want to play that game, I can play it better than you. And he has a whole list in verses 4 and 5, Hebrew, uh, Pharisee of the Pharisees, tribe of Benjamin, uh, as regarding the law, blameless. He's all these things I can stack up, which will make me acceptable to God and we can do the same thing baptized as a baby British born and bred in Derby good education working for Rolls-Royce member of St. Werberg's church the cutting-edge church of the future God surely I'm acceptable to you now we don't say that starkly but it is, we are in danger of raising our situation, our moral rectitude, our ceremonial observance, whatever it may be, and saying, God, because of this, you will accept. Now, that is the, the self-confidence, which is an obstacle to knowing Christ. And so, Paul moves on in the next uh, two verses to talk about profit and loss. And he says, um, I, I'm not very good with money. Uh, in, in fact, the bit in my brain which would be labeled finance is absent. Um, so my wife does all the finances. I trust her, sort of, not completely. I think, I think there are times of jiggery-pokery, but there's not much I can do. And the two need to hang together and balance for all to be well in life. Now, Paul says... The credit, back, the credit column I've just been talking about, all my background, all my abilities, I'm going to put that in the debit column. It's all neither here nor there. Why? 
because I've found something else to put in the credit column which outweighs it, and that is to know Christ. My passion for Christ is here. And in comparison with that, this doesn't matter. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not to say that all our material uh, life is of no worth, that your education is neither here nor there, that your marriage doesn't matter. He's not saying that. The body matters. I've just recently had a hip replacement. And I know how important my body is. Before that, it was incredibly painful. I, I was remarkably... Uh, courageous about it and, and made no complaint but I, I could <laughs> my son Benjamin is shaking his head uh, but I know the difference now and boy the body matters of course it does however Paul is saying that in comparison with knowing Christ we shall only press on to know him if we are willing to let these other things be put in their rightful place when our children were young, uh, they didn't have screens in those days, which was <laughs> great, but I, I, I do uh, pity the, the, uh, gen- the um, parents of this generation who kids off the screens. We didn't have screens, but we did things like jigsaws. And uh, by the time they were about three, they could do jigsaws rather better than me. Uh, but there was one that I really liked, uh, and it was the form of a clock. And there was a big central piece which had the two hands of the clock on. And you put that down the table, and all the other pieces were built around. And I could do that one. Uh, And I can remember Anna and I doing that endlessly. Uh, Much easier than the rectangular ones, where every piece was of equal importance, as it were, and were all put together. Much more difficult. Now, very often in my spiritual life, it is like a rectangular jigsaw. Every piece is of equal value. Here is my job. Here is my wife. Here is my garden. Here are my hobbies. Here is my, hab- my, my, my uh, hobbies. Here is my sports car. Oh, uh, and here is Christ. He's, he's there as well. Of course he is. No, 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 no. The clock jigsaw is what matters. Christ is in the center. And every other part of my life fits around that central reality and gains purpose and meaning from it. I want to know Christ more and more, says Paul. So, um, if, if the obstacle to knowing Christ better is self-confidence, what releases that passion is a realization that Christ is more important and knowing him more important relatively than anything else in my life. Now, I don't know whether you feel you've reached that point. I've been at the whole thing for 70 years and I'm barely beginning and I'm pretty hopeless, uh, as as Phil would tell you if you were to question him, but I hope you won't. Um, it, It is a battle. But I want to say what Paul says, and Paul wants us to be able to say like him, for me to live is Christ. And so there's a third bit, which is how. How do we actually do this? Your future is not in your past. Your future is not in your past. That is so important to take hold of. Your future, living well, is giving all... Living well as a Christian is giving up all hope 
of a better past. It's gone. Christ is here and now. And Christ wants to fill you. So what actually do we do? Well, what we do is um, we move from death to resurrection. And these are verses uh, 9 to 11. If we are to fulfill this passion for knowing Christ, we have to exercise faith in him. Paul says earlier in the passage, look, I'm leaving behind all my self-confidence. We who are of the circumcision, we who are the Christian church, we have no confidence in ourselves, but we worship God by the power of his spirit. This is verse 2, verse 3. And we glory in Christ Jesus. And Paul then goes on to say here, I put my faith in him, in his death and in his resurrection. And as I do so, that life of Christ is formed in me. As I put my faith in him and not myself, the power of his resurrection seeps into my life by way of the taking on board also of his sufferings. This uh, lovely quote by uh, John Robinson who in his day in the 60s was a, a liberal theologian, honest to God and all that but had some beautiful things to say and power and uh, resurrection and death belong together power through weakness and Paul says if you want to know Christ better get rid of your self confidence open yourselves up in vulnerability that his power may seep into your life Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the saviour's love through the storm he is lord of all nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling naked come to thee for dress helpless look to thee for grace foul I to the fountain fly wash me saviour or I die that's a hymn I used to sing them in church years ago <laughs> No, I mustn't be rude. The music this morning, Amy and guys, has been wonderful. It's been transported. So if we want to know Christ better, we just need to let go of our confidence, open up in vulnerability, and allow his power to flow into us. I wonder whether you're ready for that this morning. Do you have that passion for Christ? Jeanette Winterson, uh, a novelist, uh, wrote some years ago a lovely, very thin little novel called The Passion, set in revolutionary France. And it's the story of a young man who's chasing a girl. And she's a flibbertigibbet and she won't be caught. And each time he catches her, she moves. And one day he goes to her mother, and the mother's baking the kitchen. And, she says, and he says to her, I can't pin her down. And she said, Don't try. She says, She'll do you no good. She says she's such a passionate person. Then this from a a secular novice. She wants it to be Pentecost every day. Isn't that lovely? I go to churches and it looks as though they want it to be Lent perpetually, year in, year out. No, we are Pentecost people, passionate for Christ. And just to finish, leaping over into the next section, which will be picked up um, in much more detail next week, Paul says this passion for Christ is not something that you have once for all. It's something you keep working at. So he says, I press on to the goal. And this funny um, paradox that 
the prize that we seek to attain when we find it is the gift that is being given. So our Christian life is not a stroll in the park, it is a marathon. And I want to encourage you just to keep going. You'll find this difficult to believe, but many years ago I ran a marathon. And at the time that it took me is um, classified information, I can't tell you. <laughs> but I finished. And with grim, <laughs> the last two miles was up a gentle, gentle incline in Bolton. And with uh, Lancashire grim humour, the name of that road was Plodder Lane. <laughs> and I can remember now going up Plodder Lane and turning right across the main road, down a funnel into a school playing ground. And there was a lady at the end of the funnel with a ribbon and a medal, Phil. And she put it around my neck. I was a sweating pink mass of flesh. And she said, well done, Petal. I never forgot, well done, Petal. I've shown the medal to my grandchildren. They're not even interested. They didn't lift their heads from the screen to look at it. It's very precious to me. Well done, Petal. And one, God, one day, God will say to you and to me, you have sought passionately to know Christ. Well done, Petal. Father, help us. Lord, I... Preaching is such an act of hypocrisy. I'm nothing like as passionate as maybe I sound this morning, but I want to be. And I want to know you, and I want to know you better, and I want other people to know you. Lord, birth this passion in us that we may change the world for Jesus' sake.